I'm Courtney. And I'm Allison. And we're Courtney and Allison. This is the Double X-Files, a podcast that is sometimes about the X-Files. Today, Allison, let's talk about... Let's talk about not the X-Files. Oh, gosh. You know, that sounds so nice. (laughs) We've never... Can we do that? We've never thought about that before. What if we just don't talk about them? What if we just talk about literally anything else? What if we keep putting episodes out with the names of X-Files episodes and we just don't talk about them? I gotta tell you, I am a big fan of this idea. (laughs) Would anyone complain? I doubt it. (laughs) Or if we just start making up what we think the episode should have been about, we don't talk about the real episode at all. Oh, yeah. And then the people listening would be like, you know what? That does check out. I don't remember this episode, but it does sound like something that the X-Files would do. (laughs) So what was Anami? Hey, this episode of the X-Files we watched, uh, Anami, like, wink, wink. What was it actually? What was it about, Allison? Oh, the X-Files, season 7, episode 15, on a me, it was about, um, uh, God, improv is so hard, Courtney. No, come on! (laughs) (laughs) We've been doing this for three years, Allison, we gotta... (laughs) Uh, on a me was about just a little bear that moves to the city for the first time. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he's real excited to be there. (laughs) I mean, Allison, I do want to yes and you, but I feel like if we are going to just make up that we watched the X-Files, but we didn't actually watch the X-Files, I would say that's a hard one to swallow. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That season seven, like late in season seven, they just took a real turn and now X-Files is about a bear. It would be better, though. It would be better are we talking a live action bear no it's like a it's like a paddington knockoff like a direct-to-video oh. paddington kind of situation oh kind of like a bay pig in the city too okay how dare you <laughs> first of all uh this is the x-files directed by guy ritchie and <laughs> <laughs> And we watched uh, season seven, episode 15 mm-hmm. of The X-Files. We did. We actually did. I regret it a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and you watched it too, right? I also watched it and I also regret it. Do you want to read the de- descriptiono? Okay. So there's a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> season seven, episode 15, on a me, which... Wink, wink, could also be enemy. Haha, ha, see what they did there? Um, oh, I didn't, actually. <laughs> well, here's what it's about. Seeking to atone for his many heinous crimes, Cigarette Smoking Man offers Agent Skelly an intriguing gift. And Courtney, do me a favor. Can you guess for me who you think wrote this episode? Was it Chris Carter? It was not. It was uh, the 
brother that we hate? <laughs> it was not. It was William B. Davis. It was. Yes. I knew that. I didn't. <laughs> I just, that was, that was out of all of them, I was going to guess William B. Davis. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, Interesting. Uh, on the Wikipedia page, it says, while Davis saw his character as a quote unquote romantic hero, um, <gasps> Carter and Spotnitz oh. were reluctant to have Skelly trust the man she spent seven years hating. So they actually tweaked his script quite a lot. In his original script, and this is true, there was a scene where he taught Skelly how to water ski. Allison? Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is William B. Davis had a magnum opus that he crafted for this series, The X-Files. He's a fucking where, regular Raul Bloodgood. <laughs> where, where the smoking man as Gully went on summer vacation to the lake. Yeah, this is like William B. Davis's AU fan fiction. Allison, that would have been better. Yeah. Now, here's another really great uh, tidbit about it, which is that... Uh, now, hold on. The- you say you say great. Uh, is it actually great or is it very <laughs> awful? You tell me. Okay. Davis initially wrote the episode so that he could act with Jillian Anderson. He later noted, if they're not going to give me a scene with Jillian, I'll just have to write one myself. <laughs> Look, I I fucking hate David Duchovny, my dudes. I fucking hate this stupid face. I want some Jillian Anderson time. <laughs> Get me in that room with Jill. Oh my god. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about this, and I feel like there was... What was this episode, do you get from those quotes and the research you did, was this episode supposed to be, like, literally a positive spin on the smoking man? Yeah, I think that is what William B. Uh, David, William B. Davis wanted it to be. Was that, is even, is that even his name? I can't remember, and I just said it five times. It is. <laughs> uh, so, Allison, you're a... You're a, you, you've sat in on a couple of voice acting sessions in your past, have you not? Uh-huh. Yeah, I have. Now, I'm going to ask you as a, a, frankly, a professional, um, does an actor ever come into the booth, read the script and say, you know, I've seen what you've done with this character, my character for seven seasons, but I'm just going to take a sharp right hand turn and uh, fly off the rails for a little bit. Uh, only once with Mira Sorvino. <laughs> oh, tell me that story. Give me that well, tea. There was no past seven seasons, but it was a CG animated movie about Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh, and she felt like her character, the mom, sounded like a bit of a bitch. <laughs> no. Uh, she didn't what, care what? for that. And I support <laughs> her. <laughs> oh, so she approved things. Yeah. Okay, but was the mom a bitch, though? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because oh, okay. that's what all moms are like in CG animated films. It's true. Uh, and in life. <laughs> okay. Courtney's swinging Whoops. hard against moms. Whoops. <laughs> Look, as a dad type, I gotta, I gotta bring it home. Is that is that your Pokemon type, Dad? I am I am Dad type, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Um, okay. I, I think we've vamped enough. We're about 10 minutes in or so. Um, we, do we gotta, we gotta talk about this. Courtney, let's take a trip to the beginning of this episode, which opens, as they all should, in Goochland. (laughs) The Bible Belt of America. (laughs) Goochland, Virginia. Goochland, Virginia. Allison, do they make this up? Is this a thing? I don't know. I don't know if it's a real place. I feel ashamed that I didn't automatically just Google what Goochland. No, it's a county. It's a thing. It is. It's, uh, right in the eye of the storm, I hear. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Allison. Allison. There's not only a town called Goochland, but right next to it, uh, just up the old 64, is a little town called Short Pump. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Is there, if you go in the other direction, what town do you get to? Uh, <laughs> Gum Spring. Okay. That's, sure. That and could be a butthole. If you Why go, not? if you go, if you go a little bit up north, that's uh, 522. That's the town of Cuckoo. <laughs> okay. What are these people thinking? Uh, but don't go the other way. It is Sandy Hook. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, Okay. Okay. Well, there goes my, there goes that. <laughs> Good goof. But Gooch, Goochland is in the Gooch of Virginia, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, okay. Now, what would you define as a Gooch, please? Your definition, sir. Oh, uh, my definition is... The place between your front genitals and your asshole. Correct. Good. Excellent. Little the little seam there. That was just like it's God's treasure, I would call it. <laughs> it's no man's land. <laughs> oh, I beg to differ. It's every man's land. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the place where, you know, if you're a a hairy fellow, you got, you got some, you got, that's where the long grass grows. You know that's what I mean? That's a lush forest right there. <laughs> you, you're watch gonna, out, you're going to find some Pokemon <laughs> if you walk into that, baby. <laughs> Just you're like, you know, you got your hands down your pants because you're chillaxing watching your, your TV and you just, you find a treasure, it is the longest hair on your body. <laughs> Notwithstanding, I assume. And you wonder, oh no, Allison, withstanding. (laughs) (laughs) And you wonder to yourself, how long has this hair grown since since I was a baby? Since I was a small child? I don't know. It's just, it's always been there. (laughs) So long, it runs all the way down your pant leg. (laughs) And then I plug it and show Colin. He's like, where did that come from? And I'm like, Goochland. (laughs) Oh boy, it's not technically a, a uh, it's not technically a pube. I don't think. No, not technically. No. <laughs> not according to the manual. It is like hair for your asshole, like a head of hair for your butt. Well, butt toupee. <laughs> there we go. That's <laughs> an inside merkin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. 
<laughs> just go, hey, uh, space tickets, just for me, go exploring tonight and see what you can find. You'd be surprised about what's what's going on down south. You might not know the landscape as well as you think you do. That's some good advice. Look, if I couldn't get people to pee on themselves in the shower, I don't know how I'm going to do with this one. <laughs> Probably not great, honestly. Okay, well, okay. Uh, uh, Allison, what else happens in Goochland? There's a little boy, and he's in a car, and the car's driving through all these people, and the people all have picket signs, and they're like, you're not God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, what if God was one of us, Allison? Just a, you mean like if he was just a stranger on the bus? It's just a small boy, just a small boy riding through a car. And he's like, wait, I am God. <laughs> well, this this little boy, I will say, had extremely cute buck teeth. Yeah, he was very adorable. But he has lymphoma. L- lymphoma? Lymphoma. Lymphoma. Uh, it's the, ba- it's parents, the bad one. His parents will not cure it. They will not, well, mm. his parents will not take him to the doctor um, because it is against their religion. And this is when I realized we had a certified bummer on our hands. You and you and me, just a certified bummer. I made a note at this point in the episode, and that note reads, "Ah." <laughs> I I I don't even want to argue with this whole like God gave you cancer for a purpose thing, because like God also gave us fucking Tylenol, my dude, and chemo and. Um, vaccines. And so, by that logic, you're wrong. Yeah. I mean, you could also say, like, God gave us water parks, so he wants us to catch horrible diseases. Oh, that's true. Mmm. What? Hey, what does God want? (laughs) Mel Mel Gibson should do a movie. Uh, Forget what women want. What? No. <laughs> what do? What does God want? No. Yeah. <laughs> Is that where you can like read God's mind? Well, I assume, and because okay, if I were remembering correctly, because I was, I did see what women want in the yeah. theater, uh, as everyone did in the nineties, um, and I was confused because what they what they said women wanted wasn't actually what women wanted. Yeah. So I don't know what I do with the sequel, What Women Want To. It's God's turn now. Yeah. And then he listens to what God's thinking and God's just like, remember when I made giraffes? Love those funky little dudes. <laughs> Platypuses? Get out of here. Come on. That was my best work. So Your are Bellas? you- si- Don't even get me started. <laughs> Are you saying God just wants us to laugh at his jokes? I No, I think he wants us to appreciate his jokes. No, you know what? God went to UCB and now he's just, now he just is like really into improv and he just wants attention. <laughs> what if there was a big mouse that hopped around and it had a giant pocket that its babies rode in? And it can and punch powerful and legs, and it can punch a man's jaw clean off. <laughs> yeah, man, I get it. 
I can't believe God is a UCB bro. <laughs> I mean, you and I are the only podcasters in the world who who aren't a part of UCB, so we should hold ourselves so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so this little boy. Yes. He is lying in his bed at night, and yes. then three men in suits show up outside his window. Oh, boy. And ostensibly heal him of cancer. Yes. And uh, then... They're, uh, they're angels. They're angels. They are angels. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then uh, Scully gets a copy of a newspaper called the Goochland Guardian, which incidentally no. is also my WWE name. <laughs> your gooch right in the wearing you waddle into <laughs> that can't be effective that can't be effectively effective. oh it isn't i never win <laughs> but i love it you know what but the fans love a face a good face <laughs> character uh, just wait for my heel turn oh god <laughs> You're going to see it all. Yeah. Yeah. You pluck the hairs out of your gooch. You throw them into the audience. You're like, look what I have grown. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So the the kid got healed of cancer and Scully goes to see him and she's like, what happened? He's like, my cancer's gone because God had saved me. And then she he turns around and Scully sees he's got a little cut on the back of his neck. Someone put a little potato chip in there. <laughs> little ruffles. Oh, okay. Uh, I think this is a do 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 snack watch. Allison, mm. uh, Pringles. I'm not gonna call them a potato chip company. They're like a, a potato crisp company. Did you know they have a ruffle chip, Allison? Uh oh, they have a ruffled Pringle. They have a ruffled Pringle. Incredible. I know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't feel great about it. I don't either. It feels like a sin. Are they still like, they got that little curve or what? They Of course they have that curve. If they didn't have that curve, they'd be fucking regular potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what? I don't know. I haven't opened up a can. Maybe they're just loose in there. Maybe they're not stacked at all. I <laughs> I can't abide this. I If Pringles are going to have ridges, the ridges have to fit together like fucking Lego. And they have to be, yeah, they're going to have to be, like, pressed. And, like... I'm not accepting anything else. No, no, they have to fit. This is... I saw one on a billboard. And I... I drove off the road, Allison. (laughs) I died. I'm an angel now. Now I'm a ghost. And I'm still angry about it. I feel like we have to do some research. Yeah, definitely. Definitely (laughs) some... Hands-on research. Anyway, someone put a potato chip in this small boy, and now he's real itchy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scully's like, okay, well. And then she goes back to her car, and who's in there? The smoking man. Yay. And now I remember, so you, when you got me to predict, you told me that this was a flashback episode, or they used this in season 11? Yeah. And it all came flooding back to me, my boy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so it's pretty, it, uh, pretty yikes. Yeah, because in season 11, this is the episode where they use it as evidence indicating that the the boy, the, the small child that Skelly births is um, the smoking man's. 
Yes, that he fathers the child, and and this is the whence it happens. This is the this is the like rape, which is interesting because it. it okay, I feel bad that that set of words happened after what you yeah. said, uh-huh. but. <laughs> Oops. Um, uh, it, yeah, there's this now. There's this weird thing with like this is this episode that William B. Davis has written to like, you know, try to make the smoking man like a little more layered and uh chris carter in season 11 was like haha fuck that i don't know he i mean at the end he betrays them anyway and the way he speaks i mean i'm just gonna fucking skip around but like he is constantly talking about like oh I have a particular affection for you. You're special. I held your life in my hands. Mm-hmm. That's gross. Yeah. The the one of the quotes I've written down, which comes up like as they're sitting in the car, I think, is um so basically what he's saying is he can give Scully the this uh technology that has these chips um that basically cures all disease and he'll give it to her, but she she has to come on a road trip with him. Um and she's like, Oh, so you wanna give this to us and he says to you agent skelly yeah he wants to give it to her oh no and and he also says you know oh i have no real legacy because you killed your one son that you told everyone was your son and the other one you won't say is your son and and he's a dumb piece of shit like i he is a horny ghoul Yeah, see, here's the thing, like, this all, without, without seeing or remembering what that season 11 episode was, because it was our worst episode for a really long time, Mm -hmm. um, without remembering that, all the language that he uses and all the indication is like, yeah, I want to put a baby in you. And that's yeah, but fucking gross. I would argue that it's not just like Smoking Man that has those overtones in this episode. I think they come through everywhere. Like, for example, um, Scully does end up going and Mulder's worried and he's like, he doesn't know where she is because she says she's gone to see her family. So he goes, Mulder goes to her apartment and yeah. her landlord lets him in and says, great girl, independent as they come. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Which is like eternally skeevy. And... Just the actions of all the men in this episode have, like, real creepy undertones to them. Just like, oh, Scully can't take care of herself. I have to take care of her, but not really. And then Smoking Man at one point kind of tells Scully about her own love life, about how she's, like, drawn to powerful men, but she fears their power. He says exactly that. I wrote it down because it fucking creeped me out so bad. It's really this one, this one stunk to the point of I actually um, had to turn it off uh, right during a section because of how gross and gaslighty it felt. Yeah. Um, and I could see it actually triggering people if they were like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is like, because essentially it is like Smoking Man is using Scully to get information from this guy named Cobra. Um, 
and has been like keeping up this correspondence with Cobra through hacking Skelly's emails. So Cobra thinks that he and Skelly like have spoken. Yeah, is and is literally using Scully to mm-hmm. get what he wants under the guise of him being a quote unquote nice guy. And then when he gets it, he throw it in the lake. Yep. Wait. And do just he? like also what? Wait, do he? Yeah, doesn't he throw it in the lake? I don't remember. I know I think he that- does. Okay. But what peeved me also by the end of this episode is the way that Mulder is looking at Scully. Or, yeah. like, refusing uh, to look at her. The I'm fine, she's in trouble sort of dynamic is also very, very bad. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, like, are you talking about, like, his gaze? Yeah. Like, is there a scene? I don't remember. Do you, Is there a scene that you could talk about? Yeah, at the, so at the end, Scully gets this disc that she was supposed to have gotten from Cobra, and, um... But, you know, uh, Smoky Man has switched the disc, so hers is totally empty, and the yeah. lone gunmen are looking through it, and they're like, there's nothing on here. And the whole time, Mulder just is like, like won't look at her, because mm-hmm. she's gone off and done this Smoky Man thing by herself. And then... Do you think uh, he's, he, do you think he's giving her, like, doing that because, she, like, why? What What's the, what's the acting choice there? The It feels like the acting choice is that Mulder is mad at her. Okay. For trusting for not, Smoking Man. Or for not including him. <laughs> well, no, I think it's for trust because he, yeah, like, then nails are very hard with the, like, oh, he played you. Yeah. And it feels like, yeah, I don't know. The the writing of the episode feels manipulative of the viewer, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I get it. So where, I mean, do you know this, and this interests me to no end to, like, that this was supposed to be a good guy Smoking Man episode. Like, was him throwing that disc in the, I don't understand. I don't understand how it could be that he's a good guy. <laughs> I think the one, the one thing that we're supposed to look at and take away, oh, he did a good thing, is when he killed the sniper who was like on his side that was about to shoot Scully. I guess so. Which is just another element of him like having Scully's life in his hands and feeling powerful and horny because of it. Yeah. Oh, and saving her. Yeah. I don't know. So one of the big travesties of this episode that's unrelated to everything we've just talked about. Okay. Um, Is that Smoky Man takes Scully to dinner where they're supposed to meet Cobra. Yeah. And she's wearing this, like, very slinky little dress that he has bought her. Um, But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the fact that there is a full piece of cake on the table in front of her at this very fancy dinner. And then the waiter just comes and takes it away. Put that baby in a box. What? What is happening? Allison, I feel like I have gone to another dimension. Who? Why? Don't you eat the cake? Or what type of person takes the cake away from you? Yeah, if you don't want to eat the cake now, put it in a doggy bag. Are you kidding me? Oh, just at least, at minimum, put it in your purse. Minimum. You know you're going to want that cake later once you You... realize that you're a puppet in the game (laughs) of a man named Chris Carter. 
You are going to want that cake once you go to the movie theater and you open up your purse and there's a whole piece of cheesecake. That was a cheesecake, too. That's not oh. like a, that's not an $8 slice of cake. That is a $13 slice of cake, my dude. That didn't come from the factory, my friend. No, sir. I wrote a lot about, <laughs> about the cake crime. I actually wrote yeah. cake crime because the cake was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought actually so like this this occurs we are skipping around because this episode is so bad but this occurs because cobra the guy who the smoking man was talking to and has the files for the forever living juice um or chip uh sh- he puts a note underneath the piece of cake and tells her where to meet him Mm-hmm. I thought that's where she was going to get the cake back. <laughs> she drives her little boat into the inlet and the guys there like, "Here's your cake, ma'am." <laughs> it's like a ransom. Bring bring $200 in unmarked bills and then you'll get your very good piece of cake. Honestly, the cake looked like it was worth that. It does. It was it was a hefty boy, huh? Uh-huh. The other thing I do want to talk about um and maybe this was kind of a C plot that I don't think actually was really well touched upon. And I think that was a mistake maybe in the mix up with William B. Davis writing it. And then the other writers maybe coming in and changing it up is the C plot where the Gerblins actually did a body swap episode. Did they? Oh Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 Very good. Okay. Thanks. I was worried. Hey, can you, when you edit it, can you leave that pause in? <laughs> sure. Cause I just, that was the slowest burn. Um, and I can't even yes end this whole goof I set up because that was the slowest, most <laughs> terrifying burn that ever happened on this podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's funny See, because the, the Gerblins, the lone gunmen help out and they have a disguise and their disguise is each other's clothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really something. Now, I don't know what magic went into because the fit of the clothing, I mean, from Garth to handsome Gerblin, I get that. They're about the similar size. But R.L. Steingerblin gave his very good leather, leather, uh, fucking vest and Samuel L. Jackson hat to Garth Garblin, and it fit. And I don't know yeah. what's going on there. There's some magic involved there. That doesn't make any sense. So that's why I thought it was a body swap. Yeah, that checks now, out. Now you can't tell because they all have the same character traits. <laughs> Um, here's my question for you. Do you think they included the bit with Scully wearing a wire just so that they could show a bunch yes. of shots of her breasts? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I sure, uh-huh. I sure, I sure did write that down. <laughs> hey, <laughs> was there, would there be another way to show or indicate to the audience that there's a wiretap on Scully's body? Is there another way? <laughs> Can't imagine one. Gotta be those pups. There is a slow dragging shot from her neck down her fucking sternum to her cleavage where she adjusts the wiretap betwixt her 
her bosom. Mm-hmm. How? Uh, and this, and and this, this happens multiple times. Yeah, they, they they it's a lot of shots, and then and then they get to put her in that low cut dress because it's like, oh, now you know she's not wearing the wire. Ooh, now because she's not wearing a bra either. Am I right? Uh-huh, high five! Noise. <laughs> okay, Ugh. can we can we sum up like can we tell why beyond the like alluded rape that is inserted later on, which like. Honestly, again, I, after him talking about his legacy, after him saying, oh, I have a particular affection for you, I felt like even without the indication that he raped her in season 11, I would have just assumed that. Can we explain, if this podcast is a thesis, can we point out why this episode is so god-awful? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we've seen time and time again, which is that um, while one view of the episode could be, oh, Smoking Man is manipulating Skelly, and the larger view of it is the people that are creating the TV show are manipulating their one woman character in such a way to be really uncomfortable, and they're doing it not just through character and dialogue, but they're doing it through how they use their camera. They're doing it through sound. They're doing it through every aspect of the production. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. I'm done talking about this episode now. Okay. Because <laughs> it is trash. Let's rate it. Cool. I ran on a spooky scale. One is I um, will have a nap. Five is I'll never sleep again. I... I actually, after watching this episode, I was very angry and I had a hard time sleeping. So I'll give oh, it okay. like a, I'll give it a three because it was, you know, it, we say that aliens and monsters are creepy, but I think in actuality, the thing that I'm scared of is old white men. Actually, absolutely. So I'm gonna actually pump it up to. Um, I'm gonna give it a four. Okay, Sca- yeah. one of the scariest episodes we've ever watched. Yeah, no, I I think so. I don't think I've rated many things before, but like, no, it was terrifying to think like the manipulation and that sort of thing. It was just gross and scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Uh, I rate on a rage scale because from one, which means it's a great episode, all the way to first person shooter, which is the worst episode we've watched to date. Yes. Um, I'm gonna give this a ten. Yeah. Not as bad as first person shooter though. No, I I mean I still think that with the way that that episode talked about gender, I still find it worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> for me personally? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. um yeah. No, I would say I'd say it's it's a 10 if if not like a 10.5. <laughs> Yeah, it's like right up there with My Struggle Part 3. I hate it for the same reasons. Yes. You know what? Yeah, I think if we put My Struggle Part 3, you know, if if first person shooter topped that one, then it would have to top this one as well, too. Yeah. Oh, Allison, can I tell you um, a personal X-File? I would really like that. Come and tell us, dude, about the spooky thing that happened to you. Cause we'll never tell you that we don't believe you. Unless we get abducted, we will never leave you. 
We want to hear about your personal X-File. This is actually one that I picked up from a podcast that I listened to. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I totally forget which one. It was just an offhanded remark about how one movie killed six actors. What? Yeah. This is the curse of the movie called A Tuck. Um, a Tuck. A Tuck. So, I don't know if you know this, but there is a lot of movies that people say they have curses. Um, I did not know that. Oh, I really? Think the only thing I can think of is The Crow. <laughs> what? Isn't the that crow. was didn't it the main character the main actor oh, died during shooting? Maybe, 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 maybe. Um, I do know the one I know is The Exorcist had oh. really huge things. Oh, you're you know what? I think you are right. The Crow, um, Poltergeist also had some weird stuff happening. So it's uh, like some Macbeth shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, all these kind of weird movies had a lot of... Now, I don't know if they were actually cursed or if it was like, let's put this out in the media so people think this movie is actually scarier sort of thing. <laughs> um, this movie, uh, called just called A Tuck, uh, it was actually never made because of how cursed it was. So let's, okay. And this is uh this is a little bit of CanCon for you because this movie was uh written by a Canadian uh Mordecai Richler. Um okay. and it's actually a story about an Inuit poet from Baffin Island who gets sent to Toronto. It's a fish out of water story, Allison. Uh but and, in the movie uh, Yeah. The writer of this movie is Um I mean, I'm gonna guess not Inuit, because his name is Mordecai. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. And also you'll find out that the people they do cast in this movie are also not Inuit either. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, gotcha. so maybe this curse was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, field, the film uh, adaptation was requested by Norman Jewison. He's a Canadian director and producer who helped start up the CBC. And he did a bunch oh. of other wonderful things. Um, he's... Uh, in the early 1970s. Todd Carroll wrote the adaptation and Jusen planned to film it in Canada. Now, who do you want to cast the lead? Uh, an Inuit comedian? Of course, you cast white man John Belushi. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> now, he was the first actor to be attached to the film. He was offered the lead role in 1982, but we, as all we, we know... Um, a few months later, he is found dead in his hotel room, and he was only 33 years old. Now, mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, that I thought he had overdosed, but two months later, Catherine Evelyn Smith admitted she had been with Belushi on the night of his death and had given him the fatal dosage. And she was charged with first-degree murder. Oh, wow. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Um, so they had to find a new actor. So in... Uh, 86, they they went back to the market and they found Sam Kinison. Uh, do mm -hmm. you know that comedian? 
No, I don't. He's kind of a squat guy. He had a... Oh, God. He's awful. <laughs> he had long, blonde, frizzy hair. And he had um, always a bandana and leather gloves. And he screamed a lot. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so he was going to play the role of a tuck instead of uh, Belushi. In 1988, production began, and they managed eight days of filming before Kinison halted the production. He didn't like the way it was turned out, and he began to rewrite the script. Apparently, he became difficult when the studio got involved, and a lawsuit began. The movie was put on hold into 1992. Now, imagine this movie produced in 1992, Allison. Oh, no. Um... While they're negotiating, Kinnison died in a head-on collision by a pickup truck. Oh, wow. So that's number two. Um, and it's odd because his best friend, Carl LeBeau, had been driving behind him at the time, and his brother was in the car as well, and his brother had no visible injuries. That is really strange. Okay, number three. We're in 1994. Okay, who's another Canadian jolly man who can they can get to play a Took? Well, John Candy, of course. John oh, Candy. Of course. John Candy was offered the role in 1994 and March of that year he also died. Okay. <laughs> Number 3. Got it. Uh, Candy reported asked his close friend, Michael O'Donohue, to also read the script and perhaps join in the cast. In November that same year, Michael O'Donohue passed away. So we're at number four. Four Uh chubby, funny men, Canadian funny men who died. Mm -hmm. Um, let's go to 1997. Jesus. Do you know who we're aiming for? Chubby, funny man, Allison. Is it Chris Farley? It definitely is Chris Farley. (laughs) (laughs) A tuck was offered to Chris Farley in 1997. Farley was aware that his idol, Belushi, was once offered the role, so he's intrigued and he expressed interest. But much like his idol, Farley also died young, uh, same age uh, of 33. A few months after reading the script, on December 18th, Farley was found dead by his younger brother, uh, in his apartment. Farley, wow. much like Candy, also introduced his friend Phil Hartman to the script. <gasps> five no. Yes. Five months later, after tragic death of Farley, Hartman's wife murdered Phil in cold blood. I didn't know about that. <laughs> I also didn't know about that. I Holy had shit. No How did I idea. not know that? Uh his I know this is fucking this is this is this is buck wild. His wife Bryn Hartman got into a heated argument with Phil after he threatened to leave her if she started to use drugs again at 3 a.m. Bryn entered the bedroom and around 3 a- uh, and around 3 a.m. shot Phil twice in the head and once on his side. She drove to a friend's house and confessed to the murder and the friend didn't believe her, so the two of them drove back to the house. Uh okay. Wow. So, yeah. We've claimed a lot of funny men, but a tuck is still unmade and untouched. Some believe in the curse, some don't. Um, who knows if the script will ever come out of the dark again? A lot of people are saying that uh, it's dead because of the whole concept of the movie now. Mm. Um, it should be. You know, because of the whitewashing. <laughs> um, oh, Allison, maybe this uh-huh. is a lesson. Don't fucking whitewash your movies or you'll die. 
<laughs> anyway, that's you know what their uh, that's the one mistake uh, was. That's the curse of attack. Yes. What is their one mistake? Uh, after John died, they should have gone for Jim because then they would have saved the whole world, according to Jim. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted a slow burn. <laughs> oh, you wanted me to feel the yeah. same fear you felt? Yeah. How did you feel? <laughs> Not good. It was really bad, huh? <laughs> Sorry. And you know what was worse? My joke was arguably better <laughs> Okay, well. <laughs> hey, Allison, if if the Space Cadets want to hear arguably better jokes than the two that we flopped, uh, where can they go to? Oh, we've got a brand new ad for you for a, a show on the Major Cast Network. It is called uh, Brett Easton Hell Yes, and I think we've talked about it before. Um, but that's a, that's a good one with some real zingers, and you should uh, check it out. Hello there! My name is Katie Wright, and I host Brett Easton Hell Yes, the only podcast dedicated solely to the works of Brett Easton Ellis. Who is Brett Easton Ellis, you may ask? Well, he is the author of such generation-defining novels as American Psycho, Less Than Zero, and The Rules of Attraction. He famously took on such topics as the nihilism and pessimism of the 80s, the entitlement of the wealthy, uh, and the evils of capitalism. Sounds great, right? Well, it's not that simple, because he's also the man who recently wrote a book that's just basically about how much he triggers millennials, uh, and he's also the man who once famously said that women can't direct. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with Brett Easton Ellis. He's wonderful and terrible. I love him as much as I hate him, and I hope that in listening to this podcast, you will come to feel the same way. So please join me on my journey through the wildly inconsistent and problematic, but deeply delightful sometimes works of Brett Easton Ellis on Brett Easton Hell Yes every Sunday on the Major Casts Network. Yes, that one sounds dope as shit. Oh, and if the Space Cadets want to talk to us about how we've opened their eyes and the X-Files isn't so good, or if they've heard about other cursed movies, I'm super into it. Uh, where could they write us? They can send us an email at doublexfilespodcast at gmail.com. That's double spelt out, D-O-U-B-L-E. Or they can reach us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at doublexfiles. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I do want to bring up the <gasps> results of the Twitter poll from our last episode. Oh, I forgot about that. Do, 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 fanfiction corner time. Uh-huh. We we put up a poll, or you put up a poll about which Canadian roadside attraction would you fuck? Tell me the results. Now, I did not include Big Bad John because I could not find a photo of him. That in itself is a cryptid because I, I looked for hours and no one, it is not on the internet. Yeah, so the choices were World's Biggest Snowman or Harvey's Big Potato Man. Do you want to guess who you think won? Who do I think is the horn? Well, I personally put my vote in for Potato Man. I think he's, you know, he's got those those fingers, Allison. Those fingers. <laughs> and 
You know me. I've stated multiple times. I love myself a good fingering. <laughs> you certainly have. <laughs> well, uh, with 58% of the 12 votes, nice. Harvey's Big Potato Man was yes! the roadside attraction our fans most want to fuck. My boy. That's my boy. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Next episode, I'll introduce another roadside attraction, and then we'll pit those two together. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. This is fanfiction fuck corner now. We talk about fucking roadside attractions. And we like it. Yeah. Um, do we have to predict? Yeah, I have to predict. Anything could happen based on a name. Anything could happen when you're playing the prediction game. Tell me. Allison. What's it gonna be? A way to dredge up all of your childhood anxiety. Okay, let me get out that season seven episode 16. We're almost done, my dude. Yay. Yeah, I it it looks like we're uh, rounding the corner on this one. Oh, how did we do? Hey, how did I do for prediction? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't think you got any. No, I don't think I got any either. Story of my life. Uh, so I'm at one and a half and you're at two and a half. You're still a full point ahead of me. I sure am. Dang. Okay. Season seven, episode 16, Chimera. Chimera. Okay. Mm. Okay. So it's definitely going to be like a uh, human that can turn into some kind of weird thing because of their genetics. <laughs> Man, it's as if we watched like se- fucking 10 seasons of the X-Files, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going to say give me half a point for uh, fucked up genetics. Okay. And half a point for murder spree. So, like, serial killer? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Serial killer, fucked up genetics. Cool, 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 cool. Monster of the Week sort of situation. Yeah, totally. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, I think that's it, right? Are we done? That is, is it. it. That's oh, our show. thank the Lord almighty. Let's not watch the X-Files. ever for a full week yeah okay until (laughs) next time the truth Truth is out there i got oh i got allison my grendel's real itchy and i didn't want to talk about it on the podcast but oh oh gotta get gotta get that one long hair oh no those are gone bud (laughs) pluck those right out Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.